Welcome to the CIO Evolution. In this podcast, we'll explore the Chief Information Officer's role in executing a new ongoing leadership imperative, digital transformation that promotes agility and resilience. How do CIOs upgrade legacy networks? What are the financial challenges CIOs face? And what are the security measures that are required in the new work-from-anywhere mobile and cloud-based world? Welcome to another episode of the CIO Evolution. I'm your host, Chris Jablonski, Director of CXO Revolutionaries and Community. Today, I'm very excited to have Sanjit Ganguly, the Vice President of Transformation Strategy and a Field Chief Technology Officer at Zscaler, joining our show. Sanjit, please introduce yourself and tell us what you do at Zscaler. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast today. So as you mentioned, I am on what we call our transformation strategy team here at Zscaler. And my job essentially is to work with our clients and partners and assist them in the the transformation journeys that they're going on, um, specifically around, you know, they're changing their network and security architectures to deal with the modern world and adopting things like, like zero trust. Um, I've been at Zscaler about three and a half years now and spent many years prior to Zscaler as a Gartner analyst, helping clients um, as an analyst on similar types of transformations. Thank you. Sounds like a a wide body of knowledge and experience in this space, which puts you in a great place to be a co-author on a series of books that we've been publishing at Zscaler. Previously, you worked on a book called The Seven Elements of Highly Successful Zero Trust Architecture. That one was released uh, probably over just over a year ago. And now we have the seven questions every CXO must ask about zero trust. What is different about this book, apart from the obvious that it's targeted for the C-suite compared to the previous one? I have both copies in my hand and they weigh in at about 150 pages each, both very beautifully produced assets. If you could walk us through the differences, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. You know, Chris, you know, we, I've been very lucky along with my co-authors to be uh, able to uh, really dive deep into the, into the concept of zero trust. You know, you know, Zscaler and our founder, Jay Chaudhry, back in 2007, you know, saw the kind of the future of network and, and security and, and start to build an architecture that eventually became known as zero trust architecture. But, you know, even though this technology has been around for some time, there's still a lot of confusion about what exactly is zero trust? What does it mean? How do you architect it? So that was the evolution of the first book where, you know, we really took a look at, you know, how do you architect a successful zero trust architecture? And it was very relevant just because, you know, if you talk to many security professionals, it is, you know, a highly, uh, highly prioritized architecture that many folks are considering, you know, the government has now mandated in the U.S. that that all government agencies follow zero trust principles. So we felt that kind of putting out a, a, a book that really defined what is zero trust. So as an architect, a security architect, an enterprise architect, a network architect, it was sort of a uh, kind of a, uh, a reference guide, if you will, to, to really architect seven um, the seven steps of how to build that really good um, zero trust architecture. So that book, like you said, I mean, launched last year and it got tremendous, uh, um, tremendous uptake. Lots and lots of people, uh, you know, were, were taking it, reading it, and getting a lot of value from it. But what really started to come up was, you know, zero trust is not just something that's dealt with on an architecture level, right, or by architects or by actual security or network 
practitioners, more and more this was creeping in onto the desks of CTOs, uh, chief information security officers, CIOs, increasingly, um, you know, you know, CEOs and CFOs as well, because they're obviously presented with, you know, what is your cyber risk, um, you know, at, at the board level, for example. So we saw the need to actually start to write something that was much more targeted toward um, the CXO, the, the C-level, the, the C-level suite. And so that's what this book is. It, it is, I would say, a kind of a higher level, not as in the weeds, um, certainly more about the value of zero trust, more about how to communicate um, the benefits, the business benefits of zero trust, a lot more on what others have done. So there's a lot of reference material from other companies and organizations and what they've done around zero trust, the pitfalls to avoid, et cetera. And so uh, it's, it's, uh, yes, it's, it's just coming out now. We're seeing a lot of great feedback on it as well. Thank you for the comparison. You know, I see the number seven repeated throughout many of these assets. Is it because we found that this is the magic number or is this a play on say the seven habits of highly successful people? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I mean, look, I mean, it, it, you know, from my time of publishing notes at Gartner, you know, what I always found was there's a lot of information out there. I think, you know, a lot of our readers and listeners know that there's just a tremendous amount of information. And oftentimes there's a little bit of information overload, if you will. So one thing that we really wanted to do was, was come up with a uh, kind of a book um, structure that would really simplify, you know, what we were trying to say into some, you know, specific chapters or steps or questions or elements that people could walk away with and say, oh yeah, I know what the seven elements are. And seven kind of felt like a Good number, you know, enough to be meaty and, and, and consequential, but not too many that you couldn't remember them and couldn't, you know, use them in, in your daily practice. And so that's right. really where I was born. And we've we've kind of stuck with it. The other nice thing is, you know, it's uh it's it's nice to have a a structure that's in place. So, you know, it it, it eases the whole writing process when you know that okay, there are gonna be seven chapters to this book and you you can you know write to those seven chapters. And it's a it's worked well um in in kind of the the forming the kind of the outline and and, and kind of organizing our thoughts and, and making it easy for readers to to digest and remember. Exactly. And many listeners may be listening to this episode on Spotify or Apple or any other player. But if you are on the CXO Revolutionaries website, listening to it on the insights section, just below the, the embedded player, you will see a link to the book itself, the PDF version at least. And you could essentially download it right now and follow along as we track through a couple of the highlights. Starting with the table of contents. So I'm looking through here and the book is divided into questions rather than chapters. It begins with what is zero trust and why is it critical for secure digital transformation? Like what led you to structure the book in this question format? And how did you decide which questions made the cut given there are probably a huge number on the cutting room floor? Yeah, well, you know, when, when we, you know, we spend a lot of time as as you do, Chris, with with CXOs, and you know, oftentimes in meetings, in in uh, you know, we do our customer advisory board, we have a lot of events. Um, these are actual questions that we would be getting asked by CXOs. Um, so there were certain, you know, certainly CXOs that were very very new uh, to this world and the concept of zero trust, and that kind of led to question number one: What is it? You know, just a very basic question. Why should I care about it? 
But the other questions, you know, kind of were, were all subsequent, just called from what we get asked most often. So and then it went into, you know, okay, well, now that I know what it is, what are the use cases? You know, what do, what do I do with it? Um, and then we go into, well, what are the business benefits? You know, what, what is it actually used for? Um, what are other customers doing around zero trust? We ask what um, are the, you know, how, what are some deployment methods? Like, how do I actually get it out there? Um, then we ask the question, what are the obstacles, right? What, what should I be aware of? Um, and then finally, you know, we kind of go to the technology. How do I choose a technology? Um, how do I select a vendor? Um, and then we ask, well, what about, you know, other than technology? You know, as we know, it's not just about, you know, actual technology itself, but there's a people aspect, right? Do I get the right skill sets? Do I have the people that can do this? It's about the culture. Um, is my organization ready from a cultural perspective? It's about mindset. It's about, um, or, you know, organizationally, you know, am I structured in a way where the silos go away, um, et cetera. So there's a lot of these different questions. And, and frankly, the seven were just called from the ones that we get asked most often by our, by our clients and prospects. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm looking at page 33, just to dive in a bit and wanted to read a, a passage that probably really hits home for many looking through things like Security, Service Edge, ZTNA, CASB, et cetera. We have an alphabet soup of acronyms in the industry. The following is the passage. How do the concepts of zero trust architecture relate to the broader concepts of SSE? They are closely intertwined. Think of SSE as a practical implementation of zero trust architecture along with other ecosystem components like identity, EDR, or a SIM slash SOAR. So Sanjit, reading this, could an organization simply deploy SSE, connect it with the rest of their cybersecurity stack, and have effectively achieved a zero-trust architecture without all the technical and non-technical considerations advised in the book? Because there is quite a bit of that covered. Uh, I would say yes and no, um, and uh, it's, it's actually a very good question. So if we back up a little bit on this, the, security, uh, the security service edge, so this SSE concept was originated by Gartner um, as part of a larger concept around, you might hear SASE or the secure access service edge. So these are just frameworks kind of built by Gartner back in 2019 and more recently to describe um, kind of a holistic move of of security elements into the cloud and convergence of them. So essentially what happened, started to happen, you know, several years ago was that many of the hardware stack that people would have in their data centers that would be protecting against, uh, protecting their users accessing their applications really started to feel the, uh, the effects of mobility where users were everywhere and especially through COVID and applications moving out of the data center. And so the concept of secure access service edge and the security service edge basically said, hey, let's take that security stack, let's put it all in the cloud um, and then serve it from wherever the users happen to be, right? You're not taking data and having to go back to the data center. So those concepts and that concept lives on today. And SSE is a fast, fast growing market. You know, it's, it's you know, growing very, very quickly. Lots of uh, attention there. And, you know, it, it kind of helps if there's a, you know, the convergence of, of different technologies, the reduction of different vendors, there's a consolidation aspect, there's improved performance, it's better security. So that was that's a trend that's been going on. 
Now, as part of the security service edge, many of the things that security of service edge talks about is in the framework of zero trust. So specifically, you know, for users accessing, you know, private applications, traditionally that would be done through a VPN. In the SSC world, that is done through a zero trust connection. That's what they call zero trust network access, ZTNA, which, you know, takes all the benefits of zero trust doesn't put anyone on the network, doesn't have an attack surface, doesn't allow any lateral movement. And so it, it gives a zero trust access to private applications. So that's kind of where zero trust sits within SSE. Um, and so going down the SSE path, will many of the elements of zero trust in your environment be covered? 100%, absolutely. Now, the reason I kind of gave a, a more caveat, you know, more nuanced answer is um, there are other elements of zero trust and Chris, you mentioned them, things like identity, for example. So identity is not really part of the SSC framework. Identity is uh, kind of a partner, part of the ecosystem. So, you know, zero trust is all about having identity-based access. Everything's about who you are, not, you know, just giving you free access to, to an application, to a network. And so, you know, you, you really have to have your identity, you know, through partners like Okta or Azure AD or, or you name it. Um, your, your identity provider. So that's a big part of it. In addition to that, you know, the endpoint has to be secured. And that's where your endpoint detection response comes from. Your SIM SOAR has to accept data from, you know, from this SSC. So, you know, yes, a large part of it will be covered through SSC, but the ecosystem needs to be there as well. Uh, and then you mentioned the non-technology factors. And, you know, we talked about this earlier, um, you know, just, just, you know, deploying technologies is this half the battle. You need to have kind of a, a mentality in the organization around not going back to old methods, to moving away from legacy architectures. You need to have the skills in place. You need to have the mindset. You need to have the org structures. All that kind of goes into play as well. So, yes, yeah, certainly the, the technology path is, is definitely a great path to go down. And looking at SSE vendors is certainly a great path to go down. But remember the ecosystem and remember the non-technology factors as well. Thank you for that clarity. I think a lot of leaders are looking more toward platform-centric solutions and consolidation and rationalization and understanding how all these pieces fit together it could only help, right? So thank you for that. Wanted to jump now to a couple other sections, particularly the CXO advice. I think this is a beautiful pairing with some of the more practical listed uh, to-dos, if you will, or considerations, because then you see some of it come to life, right? So the book contains these sections, CXO advice, where executives from various fields talking about their zero trust journeys. So what were you aiming to achieve by including uh, that material? Yeah, well, well look, you know, when, when you're, you're going down this path, a lot of it is not only understanding what your own journey is, but learning from what others have done in their journeys. Um, and that's something that would definitely come up with CXOs. You know, and you know, we at Zscaler and you specifically, Chris, with your team have done a lot to build a community of CXOs, but they are actively sharing information and giving each other pointers and best practices. So, you know, we felt that including a lot of, uh, you know, best practices of other CXOs in the book was a, was a critical component to make me sure um, that, you know, these best practices were shared broadly across the community. All right, let's take a look at one of them on page 73. We have Alex Phillips, Chief Information Officer at NOV. Be cloud smart and take advantage where it can help. I had heard way too many horror stories of 
cloud first, mass migrations causing extreme cost overruns and business crippling outages. We had to be smart and figure out where the cloud could add value and drive out cost. Our approach had to be evergreen, not replacing one legacy tech debt with new tech debt. So when you think about this, many organizations fall into the trap of a lift and shift to the cloud strategy rather than rethinking what a move to the cloud can do for them differently, right? How they could rethink their processes, rethink what exactly uh, they're doing to drive a future business model. So when migrating cybersecurity to cloud native platforms, do many organizations tend to fall into the same trap? Like, what is your take on Alex's advice about being cloud smart? Yeah, so it's a great point by Alex. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of it was, you know, when cloud started to become very popular, you know, cloud is not a fit, you know, cloud is not a, I should say, a panacea for technical debt, meaning that, you know, you're not going to fix certain things by just moving them to the cloud. And I think that's what Alex's point was, you need to be very logical and sensible, but specifically where cloud makes sense. And truthfully, if you are just lifting and shifting your existing applications into a cloud model, you're not really taking advantage of all the, you know, the cloud native um, you know, resiliency and scalability that clouds afford. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a very good point that you know, everything needs to be done really in the context of where is it and how is it going to help the business. And so you know, when it comes to security clouds, it's actually kind of a very similar, um, similar point where you know what what we tend to see in the market is that you know in, for some uh, some vendors out there they are in fact lifting and shifting you know kind of more legacy security components like firewalls into a cloud basically you know using similar technology that frankly have a lot of the same vulnerabilities exploitabilities exposed ip um, attack surfaces that they have in their physical appliances and just kind of replicating them in the cloud. And frankly, you know, that that is a recipe for disaster. You know, if you're going down a zero trust path, you're really not solving the zero trust challenges in that way. Um, so what we recommend is, is, is to really look at cloud native platforms, meaning what, um, what cloud security platforms were built in the cloud from day one as being cloud native. Um, and, you know, and certainly you know, the, the zero trust exchange from Zscaler was that right from day one, it was it was never a piece of hardware, it was always kind of built with, with cloud mentality in mind. Um, so yeah, 100% agree with Alex's take of kind of being cloud smart and, you know, not all cloud is, is the right fit, it has to be the right cloud native architecture to be the right fit. 100% agree. Thank you for the explanation. Let's do one more. This one uh, from David Cadigal the former CIO of the state of Wisconsin, uh, he had some critical points about access rights. Access rights tend to become bloated the longer a person stays at an organization. As people assume new positions and roles, they accrue additional access and permissions. What about the old access users no longer need? These rights are often forgotten. Over time, this repeated process inevitably leads to an accumulation of excess access rights. Sanjit, is the responsibility of ensuring that a continuous process is in place to remove unneeded access, does that fall with the CISO, with HR, IT, or all of the above? Like, how would you recommend this to be accomplished? And I know this is very, very specific, but he does call it out 
quite prominently in his section. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, identity, I mean, if you are moving to a zero trust architecture, it is 100% based on a strong foundation of identity and identity and access management, meaning that, you know, your, your zero trust journey is going to be severely handicapped if you're not strong on the identity side. And when it comes to identity management, that means, um, just like David was saying, it, it needs to be um, agile, it needs to be uh, tightly aligned to, let's say, HR and, and the, you know, when employees come, when employees go, it needs to be very tied to what access rights different employees and let's say different departments are supposed to have. So yeah, identity is, is a very important uh, part of zero trust. Now to your question, where does the, um, where does this actually fall? I mean, honestly, I would say it's really all of the above, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, HR is the one that, you know, onboards employees, offboards employees, when they leave, they know kind of what department they're in. Um, and so from that perspective, you know, if they're a contractor, for example, so, so HR is definitely involved. And so maybe an HR person would not be involved in the tech angle, but you know, HR systems would have to be integrated with to, to certainly get this information. And that's really where IT comes into play is around doing that integration, pulling from HR systems and feeding that into an identity access management type of platform. Um, and then finally, you know, where does the CISO come in play? Well, the CISO comes into play, you know, around the policy, right? So saying, you know, Chris, you know, you work in this particular department um, and, and this is your particular job title, meaning that you should have access to these applications, but not these other applications um, would be the responsibility of the CISO in that case. So really I would say all of the above. Right. And access and policy management for giant global organizations. That sounds like the domain for AI to help out in machine learning, right? Because it's only sure. going to get more difficult. So Sanjay, you're going to be at Zenith Live next week and you do a lot of similar speaking engagements uh, at many events and you speak with tech leaders you know, in your capacity as a, as a field CTO. What are the most valuable insights CXOs will get from, from reading this book? I'm sure you'll be sharing it with many uh, throughout these experiences you'll have. Yeah, I mean, I I would say it's really kind of getting a good understanding of what zero trust is, what the business benefits are, getting an understanding of what others are doing, understanding kind of the non-technology aspects, you know, overcoming obstacles and how to choose a, a good vendor. Um, and uh, and ultimately, you know, one of the things that we added as an appendix in the book as well is around, um, and this is um, kind of a, you know, how do we plan to follow up this book with another book is, how do CXOs speak to boards of directors about cybersecurity? Because this is an emerging topic as well. So we're actually in the process of writing another book, Chris, um, around, and we're going to call this uh, um, Seven Steps That Board of Directors Take to Managing Cyber Risk. And it's it's really kind of how this, the board members should think about cyber risk, how they should interface with their CISOs, CTOs, and CIOs. You know, board members are increasingly being held liable for the cyber risk of their organizations. There's a you know impending SSE regulations on this front, um, and so it's it's a timely topic, and that's what we're tackling next. Well, thank you very much uh, for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners of the CIO evolution when it comes to uh, pointers in the book, advice, or anything along those lines? 
Um, no, other than um, hope to look to now that the world open up, hope to see some of you listeners in, in real life soon. And um, yeah, looking forward to engaging and continuing the conversation. We've been speaking with Sanjit Ganguly, Vice President, Transformation Strategy and Field CTO, Global Enterprise at Zscaler. He and a couple authors have just released the seven questions every CXO must ask about zero trust, which you could download here and get a physical copy at any upcoming Zscaler event, including CXO programs coming up throughout the rest of the year. Thank you, Sanjit, for joining us today. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening to the CIO Evolution. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. You can find more episodes along with other podcasts on the CXO Revolutionaries website at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Statements by Zscaler podcasters and guests are informational only and should never be construed as legal advice. You should consult your legal advisor on matters related to you or your business. Zscaler makes no warranties, express, implied, or statutory as to the content of this podcast, and it is provided as is. Content on this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are current as of the date of the recording and subject to change. These statements are subject to the safe harbor provisions created by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Full legal disclaimers are available at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.